Welcome to Village Church Online. Pastor Michael here with you. Hey, if you've been receiving our emails at Village Church, uh, you know that today is the last day I'm going to be preaching for the summer. Uh, my family and I, we are going on sabbatical, actually effective today. And I've been on staff here at Village Church. This is year 18 now. We have yet to take a sabbatical. And, and particularly the last year has been nuts. And so the elders and I have been talking about when it's just a really good time for the church, for my wife and kids and I to get away, to refresh, to uh, get our heads straight and get ready for what is certainly going to be a crazy fall season of ministry. And so this is the season we thought was best while we're not meeting in person. And I want to thank every one of you who have been praying for us, who have encouraged us. And I want to just ask that you continue to pray for us over the summer. Uh, I'm going to miss Village Church. I actually, since I've been 19 years old, has I have never not taught God's word for more than two weeks at a time. So this is going to be an entirely different season for us. And uh, I want to just ask you, would you pray for our family? We're very excited and we can't wait to come back ready to go. Now, many of you have asked the question, okay, Pastor Michael, who's going to be preaching in your stead? And so I'm really excited because there are four men who are going to be opening God's word up with you. And as I thought about the people that I wanted to be in the pulpit in this season, uh, they had a couple things in common. Uh, first of all, they love Village Church. And second of all, they love you. And so the four men who are going to be filling the pulpit while I'm gone are Pastor Mike Boyle, who's also going to be the interim pastor during the months of June and July while I am gone. Uh, pastor Craig from Village Church East. He's going to be filling in a couple times throughout the summer. Pastor Alex Culpepper, he's the lead pastor at Alliance Bible Church, formerly our next-gen pastor here at Village Church. He's going to be opening up God's Word with you. And finally, Chris Lash, who over the last year has been subbing for me in the pulpit. So excited for these guys to open up God's Word, to encourage you, and to steward this time together. They're going to continue to teach through the book of Exodus. So this morning, we are not going to be in the book of Exodus. If you want to keep up with Exodus, Pastor Craig of Village Church East, he's going to be preaching on Exodus 9 and continuing um, our teaching through that series. Um, next week here at Village Church of Barlett, we're going to catch up in Exodus 10. Uh, but today we're going to do something just a little bit different. The title of today's message is COVID-19, Overcome the Overcompensation. When we don't know what to do, most people default to one of three responses. And I'm sure most of you have heard this before. Uh, first of all is the fight response. The second response is the freeze response. And the third response is the flight response. And here's what we find right now for everybody. Uh, everybody has no idea what we're doing. Uh, anybody who acts like they know what they're doing, they're overcompensating. They're actually not telling you the truth. Uh, most people are just trying to figure out the next right thing to do. And so as you think about your response during this entire quarantine, stay-at-home, COVID-19 season, um, what has been your default? Have you been more of a fighter, just constantly wanting to buck the government and, and go after people and go online and just pick a fight? Maybe some of you are, are fleers. Like, you don't know what to do, so you just run. You don't really know what to say. You don't talk to people about it. You're just kind of running from everything, acting like it's not real, just trying to survive. Maybe some of you are just frozen. In fact, you don't even know what the next thing to do is. You're confused. You don't know who to believe. All the information coming at you is honestly just incredibly confusing. Well, when we think about the church, uh, the church is taking all these different responses. Different churches uh, are fighting. Some of them are just freezing. Some of them are retreating. And, and I think this is a season when the church actually needs to do something a little bit different. We need to be a breath of fresh air to this world. And uh, instead of fighting or fleeing or running or freezing a village church, we want to do something a little bit different. We want to lean in. 
Uh, we want to engage some of the diff- most difficult questions. We want to figure out how to submit to our government, honor God, and love people really well, and, and keep Jesus Christ first and foremost no matter what. Uh, these are really complicated times. And so what I've done is I've created just a, a message before I leave. And, and it's seven encouragements, seven principles for you that as we look to the future, as all of this future is uncertain, as we're just trying to figure out what the next right thing to do is, these are seven principles and encouragements that if we just keep these in mind are going to guide us through this insane season. I hope they're really encouraging to you as well. So here's the first encouragement. The local church is a family not a mall. And if you were with us earlier in the year in our Together series, this was actually one of our main points in our first sermon of 2020. How appropriate. I actually want to come back to this and encourage you with this. Now, many people, here is what you have found. Um, You are living in this time and you are realizing you don't actually have a church family. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, that is because your posture towards the local church was not of that as a spiritual family, but as a mall, as a functional consumer. And so we have to remember in this season, if we're really going to persevere through COVID-19, we have to treat the local church as our spiritual family. I want to read to you from the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are, listen to this, members of the household of God. We are members of the spiritual family. And this spiritual family, although we are one with people all over the globe, it finds a unique and beautiful expression in each and every single local church. And this is God's calling unto us to understand that the local church is not just a place we go to get commodities, but it is a place that we go to love and give and serve and be with our spiritual family. Verse 20 goes on, and the Apostle Paul says, uh, This household of God, it is built... On the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Um, Right now, what's happening is church consumerism, it's being exposed kind of for what it really is, weak and powerless and actually unable to provide for us what we really need in our most desperate times. And I want to share with you actually something that earlier in January, we described some of the differences between a mall and a family and how this stuff plays itself out in church. Here's what we said about the mall. The mall is, an, is a place where engagement, it's contingent on convenience and commodity. A mall is a place united by shared brands, cliques, and materialism. It's a place to hang out with if my friends are there. It's a place to be catered and to be served. It's a place where the best is expected. And it's a place where we go to get things first. And if you've treated the local church like a mall, I'm telling you right now, the local church is failing you miserably. Um, On the other hand, there's something better that the Lord has for every one of us, that we would engage and interact with our local church as a spiritual family. And here's what we said about the local church as a family. Uh, For family engagement, it's rooted in commitment and promises. Uh, For the family, it's united by shared blood, name, values, and ministries. A family is a place to help others find community. It's a place to serve and to give your best. It's a place where everything isn't perfect, but it's a place where you commit to make it better. It's a place where you are always getting, but you are first and foremost giving. I don't just mean financially. I just mean you're giving to help other people and help them become more like Jesus. 
And I want to just encourage you because in this season, you may find, oh my goodness, I have treated my local church like a mall. And right now it's failing me because I actually need a spiritual family. I'm alone. I don't know who to go to for, for care. And, and actually, you may find yourself bored out of your mind and having so much to offer and give. But because you've always treated the church like this or like a mall or like a commodity, you actually don't really have an inroad to, to give and to serve. And I, I just say this before you. I think Jesus wants something so much better for you. Some of you, you have convinced yourself that the church has been a family, but all of a sudden in quarantine, you're not in a group, you're not engaging, you're not serving. And I'm, I have a hunch that for many of us, even though we've been in church most weeks, we have related to it more like a commodity, more like a mall rather than a family. I just want to encourage you in this time, if you find yourself there, I don't want that to be condemning for you. I actually want to challenge you and just say, hey, now's the time to lean in. Go to our Next Steps page and you can click on the button and uh, uh, contact any of our staff. They'd love to just help you figure out what it means to engage and to make Village Church or your local church, wherever you're watching, a spiritual family. The second encouragement I have for you is the least of these are the most to Jesus. Okay, so when we're in the middle of quarantine, we're in the middle of this kind of traumatic situation in our country. Some of us are fighting, some of us are freezing, some of us are fleeing. I want to encourage you to lean into this. The least of these are the most to Jesus. Here's Matthew 25, verses 44 and 45. It says this, Jesus says, Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So Ville Church, I want to encourage you. If you're frozen, if you're fleeing, I want to give you an alternate route. I want to help you and encourage you to love those who are the least. And here's how we define the least. The least are the vulnerable with no advocate. They're the ones that are struggling with some of the most basic human necessities, and they don't really have anyone who can fight for them, and they don't know where to go to to get the very things they need. And even though we live in Barlett, Illinois, it's middle, upper class, whatever, uh, there are people all around us who are struggling and trying to figure out what these things are. And so I want to encourage you, find the people in your life that actually have needs and do whatever you can to meet their needs. So our faithfulness in this season, I really believe will be measured by two things. The first is our total commitment to God's word. And the second is our commitment and ability to love those who are the least all around us. Those who are the most vulnerable, those who don't have a way out, those who don't know how to make ends meet. And so I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes, whether you're partnering with Share the Care at Village Church or Bartlett Community Care Initiative, or you're partnering with your school, or you're just going out of your way to love some of your neighbors. I really believe that as we step back and we look at all the crazy and all the temptations to overcompensate and to fight and to freeze and to flee, this is actually a very doable next step for each person to love and to care for the least because they are so important to Jesus. The third encouragement I want to give you is this. Service evangelism is evangelism. Let me read to you from the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what Jesus says. Let your light shine before others. Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we loving people? Why are we caring for the least? Why are we uh, writing to our neighbors and bringing presents and praying for people and calling them and checking in on people? Why are we doing all of this? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Service evangelism, apparently, according to Jesus, 
has a powerful ability to amplify the gospel in people's lives. There's something about service evangelism that when we love people practically and tangibly, that it not only prepares their hearts to receive the gospel, but it also seems to amplify the volume of the gospel. And so, again, you've probably heard this phrase, uh, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. I I don't buy it. Um, The gospel requires words eventually. If someone is going to believe in Jesus, they must hear and understand and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. Um, But what we're finding right now is that this is one of the greatest times where we can measurably love, care, and serve people. And sometimes when you love and care and serve people, there's no open door to share the gospel. And so we go before the Lord and we pray and we say, God, would you just open up a door where I can share with them the good news of Jesus? For some people, honestly, that door doesn't open up for years. And that's okay because our love for people is not contingent on their openness and readiness to receive Jesus. They are made in the image of God, are infinitely valuable. And so we have this joy to to bring the good news to them, but first to really love them really, really well. And this is, this is a time not to yell at your neighbors, but to love them. Not to yell at the least, but to love them really well and pray that Jesus would give you an open door at the right time, in the right season, to share the good news of Jesus. And when they hear the good news of Jesus, it should land exactly as that. As good news, there is a God who loves them and is offering them forgiveness and salvation through faith in the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Not because they're good, because Jesus was good for them. My fourth encouragement for you is simply this. Never underestimate the power of quiet faithfulness. Now, what I'm going to say in this fourth one might feel like it contradicts the third one, uh, but go with me here for a moment. In the same sermon as number three, here's what Jesus says. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Why? So that your giving may be in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, he will reward you. I'm just going to be honest for a moment. Um, I've been a little bit uh, irritated, disturbed by what I am watching many churches online doing. They are bragging and bragging and bragging about all the people they're serving, and they're actually putting up pictures of those they're serving. It almost to a degree feels like exploitation of people. I'm just not comfortable with it. And one of the things that I want you to understand about Village Church, it's a little bit a part of our DNA, is is, uh, even though we want to love people really well, um, we've really gone out of our way to not be braggadocious about it. We want to be faithful, quiet doers who love people well, whether people see it or not. And so there's this sense that we've been resisting, kind of just yeah, bragging all the time. And I think rightly so. Many of you have asked the question, so like, hey, who are we serving and what's going on? And you're looking for numbers and metrics. And, and we're not ashamed of giving our church numbers and metrics. But there is this, I think, quiet faithfulness that we really want to preserve. And I want to give you just a small story, an illustration of kind of how this actually is looking behind the scenes. Uh, there's a family in our community, and they felt like they had some pretty serious needs. So they called our, our elementary school in the, the city. And what they didn't know is that behind that phone call, we're actually managing um, the needs of people who come to that school with needs. Well, then they called Bartlett Community Care Initiative, and they were asking for help. And what they didn't quite realize is that um, Village Church of Bartlett, we actually manage Bartlett Community Care Initiative. Well, then they called Share the Care, and what they didn't actually realize is that the Village Church of Bartlett manages Share the Care. And then they called the office of the Village Church, and 
And it was interesting because um, when this person in the community was trying to figure out where do I go for need, at least four of the options they went to outside of the government, we were here ready to serve them. And what's happening is that people are finding all of these different avenues of, of, of having their needs met. Some are finding other local churches. They're doing a great job. Um, but there are a lot of people walking through these different avenues, and we are quietly having the ability to love them and care for them. What we don't want to do is exploit them. But I want to just tell you this. As much as you want your light to shine, being braggadocious about it, that's my word. I hope you like it. You can repeat it, make fun of me later for it. Um, But bragging about this kind of stuff isn't actually becoming either. And so we're trying to figure out, even on our social media platforms, how do we celebrate what God is doing, motivate you and encourage you and give you bridges and avenues to actually serve people and meet their needs, but at the same time, um, not let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. So I just want to encourage you, Village Church, um, keep leaning in, keep being faithful, loving people. And even though we don't advertise all of it, Maybe in the way that some other churches do. I just want you to know our motive behind that is to really try to be humble and to love people, whether or not we get applause for it or not. But be encouraged because there are so many people outside of the ministries of our church who are doing incredible, incredible work to love people tangibly on the ground in quiet ways that you will never know about. All right. My fifth encouragement for you, and this is probably going to get a little personal for some of you, but the word of God has a way of invading the most personal parts of our life. Here it is. The principle is we will honor our government until they ask us to sin. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul addresses how the Christians of the church are supposed to interact and think about the government. And the irony about the Roman government is that they are persecuting Christians. I mean, whatever frustration we have with the Illinois government, um, let's just say that the Roman government was much worse to the Christians. In light of this, the very people who would end up killing Paul himself— Here's what he says. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Chapter 13, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Now we have prayed and talked and thought as a staff and leadership here as a church. Um, What is it that the government could ask us to do where we would say, no, that is sin? So far, we do not feel we've gotten to that point yet. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm not saying it will happen. Um, But it really has forced us to ask some really fundamental questions. So here's a question. What is church? And is the government oppressing what is church? Are they holding us back from being the church? And as we've thought about what the church is, I want to share with you a few things. And here's the church. A church is a location of believers under the authority of elders who gather for weekly worship. And they worship, pray, teach, and and practice ordinances. That's baptism and communion. And so far, we have had the freedom, although we can't be in person, to worship together. Groups still meet. We're able to pray together, sing together, uh, be under the authority of God's word together. We're able to celebrate communion together. We're able to baptize. Like all of these things, we're still able to do as a, as a local church. Now, are they the way we want them? Definitely not. Are they ideal? No. Do I want this season to be done? You better believe it. Can I not wait till we, we can be in this room and celebrate what our great God has done for us together, live, in the flesh, in person? 100%. But as we step back, you know, we've said, listen, uh, we would like this to be done sooner than later. But right now, it seems that the government has not told us that we cannot be and do the fundamentals and essentials of what the church is and does. But 
If they do, well, then our strategy is going to change. And so we are regularly thinking and praying about this. And as always, we'd love your feedback. But you can know that um, we still believe at this point we are able to do all the essential necessary things that God has called the local church to do. And the government is not against us doing those things as regard the policies and as they stand right now. But again, if those things change, then we're going to have a little bit different conversation as a church. And we're going to keep you up to speed on all of that. Here's my sixth encouragement for you, the sixth principle that I think is so important as we think about COVID and not overreacting or underreacting is this. We are driven by God's glory, the good of our people, and the mission of Jesus' church, not by giving and attendance. There is a strong temptation for churches all over the world and throughout history to be driven by money and numbers. Uh, That's not how we want to be driven. First and foremost, we want to be driven for the glory of God. We want to bring God as much glory by living and leading according to his word. Uh, We believe the best way to bring God the most amount of glory is to do it according to his word and to love the people that God has called us to shepherd and to be focused on the mission that he has given us. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 to 33. The apostle Paul says, So whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then I love this. He says, give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Don't, don't do things that are just unnecessarily offensive and inciting. If there's anything that's going to be offensive about what we do and how we live and how we respond, may it be the gospel of Jesus and our rootedness and convictions in the word of God. He says this, give no offense Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, don't get me wrong, he is not a passive people pleaser. What he's saying here is I don't want to unnecessarily offend people with anything other than the gospel. He says, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Uh, We want to be driven and do all things to the glory of God for the good of you And so that the mission that Jesus gave us could be fulfilled. Uh, Matthew 28, we want to be here to make disciples who go and grow and overcome. We want to see people come to know Jesus. And how we respond and live in this season is so important because our ability to give God glory, to love you well, and to see people come to Christ is really contingent on how we navigate this insane season. I know some of you, you're ready to fight. Some of you are frozen. Some of you are fleeing. Uh, Village Church, we have to lead out of a better way. All right, my seventh encouragement and my last one, and this is a little bit personal for me as I get ready to go on sabbatical. And as a pastor, I'm telling you, I got to remind myself this all the time. The church, it is built on Jesus, not a senior pastor, not a church staff. It's definitely not contingent on being in a building. This is where you all at home shout, Amen. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, Most people, when they hear this, the imagery they think of is the church being attacked by hell. That is not the imagery Jesus is communicating. The imagery he's communicating is that the church It is on the offensive and it is attacking the gates of hell. And by the power of Jesus Christ and the gospel, they cannot stand. And so here's what we learn. We learn that 
all of the people who come to Jesus Christ. It is ultimately not because if you are a person or a leader, it is ultimately Jesus who builds this church. And here's my expectation. My expectation is I'm going to be gone for 10 weeks. I'm going to come back and Village Church is going to be stronger when I get back than when I left. Why? Because we deserve it? No, Jesus actually has the permission to shut churches down anytime he wants. Here's my expectation though. Whether we're in a building or we're part of an official 501c3, irrelevant. That the people, the people will be more like Jesus and people will come to know Jesus Christ because that is what he has promised to do. He has promised to build his church. He's promised in each and every one of you who've trusted in Christ to finish what he has started. My expectation is that Village Church as a whole, the people are going to be more like Jesus. And I do expect because Village Church for 42 years has kept uh, Jesus Christ at the center, been faithful to the word of God and to the gospel and to the mission. And so uh, I do expect that when I come back that um, we together as the Village Church of Barlett are going to be stronger than when I left. But I also expect that individually that he is going to be growing you and strengthening you and convicting you and, and helping you become more like Jesus because that's That's what he has promised to do for those who have trusted in Jesus. Here's what this means. I can go on a sabbatical and I don't have to bear the full weight of building the village church because that is Jesus's job. My job is to be a faithful steward and under shepherd with our elders and with our staff and our leaders and to care well for you. But Jesus's job is to build the church. And when I know my role and I can let him do his role, um, things go much, much better. When I forget this, and I try to do Jesus' job for him, I'm a really bad Jesus. I'm a much better Michael, terrible Jesus. And much of you, many of you are saying, amen, Pastor Michael. So as we, as we close, um, these seven encouragements, these seven principles are here to help guide you. I know that some of you, you are fighters, man. You are mad, and I get it. Some of you are frozen and you don't know what to do. You don't know who to believe. And I get it. Some of you are just running. You don't, you don't even want to deal with anything. You're just, just trying to avoid everything. And I get it. And in all of this, we as the church, we have to kind of rise up and, and, and think a little bit more clearly. Uh, this is the time for the church to be the church and to love and to lean in and to face it and to ask God for wisdom and, and to be together as a family and to love the least and make sure we are reminded that Jesus is up to something awesome in this world, in this nation, in this state, in this community, in our church, in your life. He is up to something. None of this is going to be wasted. And, and so I want to encourage you as, as we go throughout the summer, every week feels like it's a new world and there's new information. And, and let's not be people who overcompensate and overreact, but we are guided with a clear ambition to bring God glory, to love the people of our community well and our church well, and um, to follow the mission that Jesus has given us. And I'm so excited for what Jesus is doing. I hate this season on the one hand, but I'm trying to look at it from his eyes and see he's up to something. So lean into this village church. Let's be godly. Let's love people well. Let's accomplish the mission. I can't wait to be back with you in August and I will see you in just about 10 weeks. And I can't wait to get back into the book of Exodus and open up God's word and and, uh, to be with you in person again. Love you. I love the privilege and joy that um, I have to be uh, the lead pastor at Village Church and a shepherd, you guys. And uh, I'll tell you a little secret. I have not ever since I was 19 years old not taught for over two weeks, never, since I was 19. And I'm not going to be teaching anywhere for 10 weeks. It's actually the longest. So pray for me that I don't just start getting up and preaching sermons in random places because I just have to preach. So love you, Village Church, and we'll see you guys soon. And I can't wait to be with you again. Let's continue in worship together.